0: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Tech Talk underway. Doug Swindhart is on board. Our phone number is 651 And by now you know the story. You can call and visit with Carrie Clatter, producer, and she'll put you through. Or you can text the program. It comes right into the studio and... We'll get to those as quick as we can, so call or text 651 It was good to hear John Hines earlier today on the radio, and it's always good to hear Doug's voice. Doug, how you been?
0: Oh, absolutely wonderful, Stephen. yourself?
2: Yeah, kind of a cloudy gray day, but mild, uh, another sign of spring. It looks like uh, we we could get some really tough weather, especially if we get freezing rain. Nobody wants that. But it is another great day before the uh-huh. weather gets really nice. And we want to be out in the yard and out in the garden to get some work done on one's computer. But the thing I wanted to bring up at the beginning of the program mm-hmm. is this. Ever since Russia invaded Ukraine, there have been threats of cyber attacks or, or cyber warfare. Uh, there there hasn't been a great deal of reports on that happening But nevertheless, Russia has great capability, and I would think we need to be on guard for that. And hopefully IT professionals and uh, our government and governments around the world are prepared for that because uh, that could be devastating. We haven't seen anything along those lines, but uh, a major cyber attack in really any sector could be crippling.
0: Oh, I've been concerned about this for years, Stephen, and, and well, we should be. Um, I think that when it comes to our security, we've got some of the best people on the planet. We really do. Our uh, <laughs> IT and, and cyber defense is incredible. Now, that said, one thing that I think people really should have been talking about 35 years ago, when we started shipping all of the manufacturing for microchips over to China, that Back then, I said, well, you know, we're concerned about antivirus and malware and that kind of thing. Well, how difficult is it to create a backdoor into a firmware chip or a microchip? Sure. This concerns me a lot. And, I, I, you know, I'd like to to believe that everybody on the planet wouldn't be doing that kind of thing, but you and I both know better. Yeah, I, I think it's a major concern. And a lot more of our defense budget is going towards cyber defense than I think most people realize I heard a number several years ago, it was like 60% of defense is going for that. I don't know if that's true or not. But it would seem like there's a lot of money being put towards that, and rightfully so. We have become so dependent on our data and our cyber world that it's just, we just can't take the chance. We cannot gamble. And I just... um. I think that that really yeah it's a big concern big concern
2: yeah and the the thing about this and not to alarm people is but just about everything we do now in some way shape or form is is tied to the internet or in some way shape or form now we we all know about the concerns with with uh, the supply chain right now ...around the world, how interconnected, how that got disrupted by COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And now you, you have a, a war raging in Eastern Europe. And, you know, there there are a lot of threats out there. And then couple that with even an interruption of the internet for a day or two... ...could have massive uh, uh, effects. And I, I don't think uh, we need to think too long and hard to understand it impacts just about every aspect of our life.
1: Oh,
0: no question. And, you know, like you mentioned, the ripple effect. It it isn't going to hit just wherever they attack. It's going to ripple. And I mean ripple. That's incredible. And I couldn't agree more. And Germany has actually taken a real strong tack to this, I think, like 20, 25 years ago. And Japan has as well which I think is a a good model to follow, a real, real good model. Today, we don't really want to be as vulnerable as we are, and I'm hoping that, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure that we're kind of addressing that through, but our cyber defense is an incredible part of our of our overall defense, just no doubt about it.
2: Yeah, and one thing individuals can do, and we, we've always got to be worried about the individual bad actors and uh, malware being sent out and ransomware and all those sorts of things, and, and just right out of the gate. One thing you can do as an individual, be very careful if you're not uh, sure of an attachment or be leery of emails if you 're not exactly sure if it looks too good to be true you, you got to be very very careful with with any sort of attachment uh, coming in from someone that you 're not sure about
0: oh i couldn 't agree more, and another thing I think that people should be aware of is it's like as human beings we have a tendency we pendulum we go way to the extreme yep. and i don 't agree with this three and four different software packages doing antivirus and malware, you will upset the process with this. It's like putting too much sugar when you're baking a cake. It just, it's not good. If you decide to go with a commercial package, which is going to be helpful, and without a doubt. But I really believe that the most important thing with this is truly your habits, just as you mentioned. Just be aware. And my experience is good, hard work, and honest people Well, we kind of trust folks. We just think that everybody lives the way we do. And we got to kind of, got to be a little suspicious of, of what comes in. And if it just doesn't feel right, when in doubt, don't. Run a search on this thing in Google. Somebody else has probably gotten it and done some research and who knows what you'll find. But there's no reason you need to open that email right this second. You can open it tomorrow, the next day when you get some chance to research it. If it's something urgent from your doctor, then you know where it came from. If it's a family member, again, you know where it came from. But look at these things. They can create emails that look just exactly like what we get from our banks, our employers, and just be cautious. Keep an eye on those domain names. That's huge.
2: Yeah, and, Doug, uh, what I I also wanted to bring up, and I think there's a gap in training. Um, My full-time job, even here, uh, in in my part-time job working at WCCO Radio, uh, we have training videos that we need to watch to help us understand cyber security threats. And I think if someone's retired or out of the workplace or not, or maybe working for a small company that doesn't have a more robust training program, they, they don't have access to these videos. And, and I think as a public service campaign... That sort of stuff could be made more readily available because I just went one through one on my full-time job in the printing business where I sat down, had to watch a 30-minute video, answer some questions that helped me understand what to look at when, when it comes to emails and attachments and potential threats. So I, I think that would be valuable uh, for all of us. Uh, we are oh. going to move to the text line and the phone lines here, but... Um, yeah, you know, making those types of videos and that type of training uh, available to people to help better recognize threats, I think would be good for everyone.
0: Oh, indeed. And uh, many of the industries out there, real estate, banking, uh, they have to reach um, uh, HEPA standards. So there's some of that, but I don't think it's enough either. I think that people got to take the initiative and do some searches in a couple hours. You'll be amazed what you can learn.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so take a little time, understand what those threats are, and learn about those threats so you can uh, recognize those. All right, uh, by the way, the number, 651-461-9226, 651-461-9226. We already have a lot of texts lined up. We're going to get to that. But let's go to the phones first, bring in Mark in Maple Grove. Mark, here on the air with Doug.
1: Good afternoon, gentlemen. I just bought a new iPad, and I've never had one. And I have an Android phone and a Dell computer. How do I get data and pictures, etc, from Dell and my Android phone to the iPad?
0: Well, your easiest way would be just pick a hub, and it doesn't matter whether you're using on, uh, Google, if you've got a Gmail account, but your iPad came with an iCloud account, and you could access that iCloud account on any device by just opening up a web browser, and iCloud.com, and log in with your Apple credentials. And you can transfer that way. Uh, I don't know if you really want to set up all of the automatic syncing immediately. And Apple's got some syncing procedures if you got four or five Apple devices. I'm not certain how well it will sync with uh, your PC, but I'm pretty sure your Android will sync okay. Be cautious with this syncing. Be aware of which one is going to be like the godhead and keep all the files. But if you delete off one, it will delete off all of them. But I think in your particular instance, learn about iCloud. You that came with your iPad, and I'm sure you set up a an Apple account when you put this together. You had to to get your um, Apple Care, and that is just a tremendous solution, especially if you're going to kind of migrate. Many, many, many people have multiple devices today. Uh, Nancy's got an iPhone, an iPad, and a PC, and, of course, then an Android TV. So, yeah, she's mixing and matching pretty well, too, and we've got several around the house. You can do this, but pick which one is going to be the main hub. Whatever you're using for the cloud, it's okay if you use Google or HP Storage, and there's a multitude of, of people who want you to use their cloud service, but iCloud is just a fantastic service, fantastic. And take your time and learn about it and just make sure that you get this thing put together before you start cranking up all of the syncing of your devices. Great call. Thank you so much.
2: Quick break. We'll have much more coming up here on Tech Talk. From our text line, uh, we're going to talk about an old HP LaserJet printer. Uh, Someone's got a question about that. Uh, Linux, for a decade-old desktop, um, we're going to talk a little bit about Starlink, and uh, CPUs are just the tip of the iceberg on Tech Talk today, and if you have something for Doug, hardware or software, whatever, feel free to call the program. Here's the number again, 651-461-9226. Or send a text, same number, 651-461-9226. Tech Talk with Doug continues here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. It is Tech Talk, Doug on board. Already a ton of texts on the program. We've got another call to get in. The number is 651-461-9226. 651 461 You can call our text code to... Uh, Dave in Coon Rapids. Dave, you're on the air with Doug. Hello. Dave?
0: Hey, Dave, do we got you?
2: All right. Why don't we put Dave out on hold? Let's try and bring in Gordy. Gordy? Are you there? Hello? Oh, Gordy. Hello? Is this Gordy or Dave?
1: This is Gordy.
2: All right, Gordy. Go ahead.
1: Okay, um, I'm. <clears throat> I'd like to keep the lights on on the keyboard because I'm in a dull, in a darker room, and I can't seem to keep them on. They'll stay on for maybe 25 seconds, but then they turn off right away. I don't know how to keep them on. It's a, uh, a- H top envy.
0: Uh, Many of the laptops have a setting inside the BIOS. You might have to actually go into the setup when you're booting the computer. And with an HP, as soon as you turn it on and and you see the HP logo, press your escape key, and that'll give you a list of options to boot off a different drive or to go into setup. Go into setup and be cautious and just locate the amount of time that your keyboard is on. That actually on a laptop is a is a a battery saving thing. What I've learned to do is I just gotta either hit my right mouse key or tap my keyboard Now if you're reading and, and you're going through something and you're hitting your down arrow key for example, any key will keep it lit or relight it uh it's um it can be a good thing to have. I usually like to sit in a in a room that's dimly lit as well it's just easier on my eyes so i i get it but you can actually t- change that in your bios so it's on all the time but i would use some caution with that because that's going to draw on your battery as well and thank you so much for the call it's a good call good question
2: yeah that that is uh, a good one for sure uh, i, I want to get to this hp question real quick and then we'll jump back to the phone lines and uh go to dave uh so hang in there dave uh an old HP LaserJet 4MV printer produces a very faint to barely visible image on the paper. Now, the image is properly fused. It's not smudged or, or blurry or anything. It's just very faint. Um, the, it's not low on toner. Uh, it's a rel- relatively new cartridge, and this came on all of a sudden. What could be going on with this old printer?
0: Well, LaserJets are a little bit different than, um, than like inkjets. Uh, a lot of them have, they like, can clean the heads and run these maintenance things, and the uh, the older laser jets didn't have that. What you might want to try, take that cartridge out and roll it back and forth, like uh, 180 degrees, kind of twist it back and forth and shake up that toner. If you've got a new toner cartridge in there, that sometimes will just, it just kind of loosens up the, the, the toner. An HB toner is different. Never, ever use any other kind of a toner than HP in an HP printer. It actually has a lubricant in it. And if you've been using uh, cheaper cartridges, they're not going to save you any money. You're going to be much better off to stick with an HP product for toner. And that would be my guess. There's really not a whole lot to clean in them. Uh, Not uh, laser unless you dump toner all over, but that's almost impossible to do. Those are good old printers. Those are workhorse printers. Yeah, just get that thing, and if that doesn't work, give me a call, and we'll get come up with a couple other solutions.
2: All right, we have Doug's phone number and email at the end of the program, each and every week, and that that is a good one. I worked in the printing business and digital printers, and uh, that that's a good one, especially if your toner gets low. You, you can get a little more mileage out of take that cartridge out and shake it up, and it, it's great advice, Doug. Uh, being in the commercial printing business, to shake those cartridges if you're not getting a lot of use out of that printer as well and loosen it up. Very good advice indeed. All right, we're going to bring in Dave from Coon Rapids. Dave, you're on the air with Doug.
1: Hey, Doug. Hi, Dave. What's up? Uh, I've got an elderly Lenovo ThinkPad. Uh, What happened to it was it was put to sleep at night. The next day, the owner awoke with a blinking cursor. Uh, we ran the uh, diagnostics on it. The drive is detected. If I put a media creation tool into it, I, and try to access the C drive via the command prompt, there is no, uh, no response. If I go into disk part, the drive is recognized, but uh, here again, I can't do anything with it. I strongly suspect it the drive has failed, and I'm wondering is there anything else I can try before uh, try wiping it and reinstalling?
0: Yeah, yes, there is a tool, and I will look that up here quick for you. It's a, a disk repair tool and it is a gift from, the, from God. It's just wonderful. And you'll find that on um, uh, SourceForge, and you can download and create a bootable drive, and it probably will fix the problem. I think more likely than having a bad hard drive, because it is being recognized. Is Chances are you've got a bad sector right at the beginning of the master boot record. And this disk tool will repair that. It absolutely will. If I'm not mistaken, you would go to Google and type in boot-disk-repair tool. Or And I think there might even be a dash in between the two words. But if you can't find that, just let me know and I'll, I'll get you the link. It is a tremendous program. Even if you've got a dual boot with Linux and Windows, it'll repair them both. It's really slick. Take your time and it'll work for you.
2: All right, quick break. We'll come back much more on Tech Talk, a lot on the text Line. Here's the number: 651-461-9226. 651-461-9226. Here on News Talk. E30WCCO. It is 2:35, Tech Talk. Doug the heart continues. Carrie Klein is our producer. My name is Steve Thompson. And the number again is 651-461-9226, 651-461-9226. More from the text line in a moment, but first, Peter in Minnetonka. Peter, you're on the air with Doug. Hi. um, I go into uh, email, and uh, and, uh, I get these messages
1: uh, supposed to get online and everything. Uh, I get in there and there uh, it says uh page not secure and I'm just wondering what what that's all about I'm get I get it all the time but if I uh google the page that that I want then it comes up
2: Doug uh hold, hold on uh Doug we've got Chanel
0: I'm back on? Yep. Okay. Um, that sounds like a DNS issue. There's something going on with your domain name server, I, I, I got to believe. there. Uh, if you're running Windows 10, that would be a prime example where Pervasor would probably correct this because it cleans out all your caches and checks out all your connections. I would uh, suggest if you can get that downloaded, which sounds like you'll be able to get there just by using Google, and that should take care of it. If that's not it, I'd be looking to flush the cache, clear your browsers, and make sure you get uh, Brave downloaded and run that one and Chrome and Firefox. But yeah, this, is a, this has something with a DNS. Your DNS is working once Google gets it. All, they all have their own DNS servers. But this has something to do with your domain name servers. And if you have trouble with that, give me a call next week, and I'll be more than happy to give you a, give you a hand.
2: And we'll have Doug's phone number and email at the end of the program. Let's jump back to the text line. It's very busy today, as always. This is an important one. It gets back to security, and we talked about it in be Leary. Um, I've been getting emails from what looks like PayPal confirming a huge purchase. If I want to dispute this, it wants me to verify my personal information. My actual PayPal account shows no activity. And on the text line they ask is is this a scam
0: it sounds like it is yeah. uh, if if you run into that and you just go to your normal account do not respond to that email do not click any of those links no. it's not it's not worth it if you're not seeing it in your main account then yeah this is a absolutely i would go ahead and alert paypal for, with this as well they don't like people using their name for that kind of stuff and they will do a, immediately put investigators on that. They're really, really good about that. That's one thing that I've, you just can't give PayPal enough credit for. I, I, this is a, Especially if it's a large amount. Somebody is testing something. And it's good to be aware of this. And keep an eye on your other accounts as well. Check your credit cards. Whatever you've been using online, you're going to want to watch pretty carefully for at least the next month or two. And I hope that helps.
2: Yeah, and you ultimately want to do that with. It, it could be your bank, and they're very good at disguising. And what they're trying to do is to get your personal information. So if you get, for instance, an email, I bank with Wells Fargo. You get an email from Wells Fargo. What you can do is say, okay, go back to your account and call them. Send, you know, they they have contact info as well at their website where you can send. An email and find out what was going on. But in no circumstances do you want to click on that or enter personal information. You, you want to take that extra step. Slow down. Think about it. And, and once again, they get their hooks in you by saying, well, you've got this large purchase and we need to confirm this. Well, your first response is, i got to get this fixed or I could be you know charged thousands of dollars here. You know, be very leery of that stuff. Right, and they might have you
0: set up to where if you click, you think you're going to dispute something, you verified that purchase. Yeah, that's something that really – I'm really glad that this uh, texture yep. said, well, we all went to my account. That that just right away cleared the air.
2: Well, and I, I've got those emails r- related to PayPal, and I'll get texts that, that say it's PayPal. First thing I do is log into my PayPal account and check it out and see oh there's no activity i don't even bother getting a hold of PayPal in most circumstances now occasionally I have, but i don't every time if I get this because i have just come to it it's it spam they're they're out
0: fishing oh um, absolutely yeah. and that's uh p h i s h i n g yeah this correct. is uh this is and the hop raisin i i get them for social security uh, the IRS I that's just oh that's way way brazen in my in my opinion it, it, and I think they're hurting when they start scratching and doing things like this this is just way out of line thank goodness you didn't answer thank goodness
2: yeah it just uh, avoid that and go back to your account um, and and check it out and if it's not legit you you definitely want to raise a red flag ah uh, here is, uh, we have a lot of good ones on our text line at 651 uh, 461 My Nest Hub, N-E-S-T Hub, will not connect with my internet. I have a Netgear router. Any suggestions why this doesn't work?
0: I'm going to guess it has something to do with getting your port forwarding set up. Uh, also, you want to be... Do a little research on the difference between a public network and a private network. If you're set up as a public network on your Wi-Fi throughout your house, and many people are, they think that it's safer. And in some respects it is, but you it, you don't have your shares set up. And I think that's probably it. You gotta set up your shares and make sure that for the for your router that it's um you got your port forwarding done. And that could actually even be an issue that you might have to address with your internet service provider to help you get your modem router set up properly with that port forwarding. This, um, this is not the easiest to do, and be cautious with this as well. You don't want your, your security system wide open. Make sure that security is in place. If they don't have a password on their Wi-Fi, it's not going to work. There's, uh, there's some simple things to check too, but this is a doable thing. That nest equipment is great equipment.
2: All right, uh, that, that is a good one. Um, want to put Linux into a decade-old desktop? Um, what uh, what what do you suggest? How do you get started?
0: Oh, that machine is absolutely perfect for a Linux computer. Yeah, first of all, if there's data on that computer, you want to make a copy. You want to do a backup. You want to get make sure that you can access your data through whatever means, whatever media you put it on, an external hard drive, up in the clouds. This would be an instance where I would actually do a copy and a paste from my documents, spreadsheets, music, whatever is important to you. Pictures, make sure you got them. Then you could just go to work. I would suggest that you start with either Linux Mint, or if you've got a, a 64-bit machine, you might even want to try the new uh, operating system from Peppermint, which is a, a fork from Linux Mint and Peppermint. They just came out with Peppermint 10, and it's Debian-based. It looks like a just an exciting package. It should run like most of the Linux machines that I do today are, are a decade old or more. These are good computers. They're perfect for this type of application. And a great Linux computer is a super, super backup computer. I think you'll probably find that pretty soon it will end up being your main computer. It's... um. Really great operating system, and I think most people should experience it, especially home users. No need any antivirus, no malware. It just runs. And I'm really excited about this new version of Peppermint, and it's peppermintos.com. And read about it, and I think you'll be impressed. And great text, great question.
2: All right. Uh, from our text line, uh, with the, the threat of... Uh, cyber warfare on the internet—we've we, heard about that uh, it, a lot more since Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, mm-hmm. Is it safe to do, like, say, for instance, day trading stocks online or other financial transactions? Uh, and this comes up from our earlier conversation on the program. What do you what do you think about right now? I, if your machine is clean. If you have an antivirus package, it should be okay.
0: Well, I've done enough business with people who are doing day trading and trading stocks from their home computer. I can tell you right now that these companies that you connect to, top-shelf security. If your computer isn't right up to snuff, it's not going to connect. It's not going to run properly. They are in the business of protecting you and themselves. So this is a, I would not worry about that one iota. This, if you're connecting to, oh, a number of them, uh, Schwab's got them. Um, there are several that will really is broker free. You're, you're basically just downloading the, the actual um, uh, ticket markets. And yeah, you're going to be fine. That's big, big time fine. You, I wouldn't worry about that at all. These guys really got themselves together. That's been my experience.
2: Now, Doug, here's another one, Wi-Fi acting a little weird. Uh, And this is, my mom has an old Latitude E6400 laptop. It won't recognize the security key from her cell phone. I've updated drivers and tried everything. What could be going on? Why won't it recognize the security key?
0: That's interesting. It sounds like they're trying to use their, their cellular as a shared Internet, which it should work. Sure. But that old computer probably requires a 2.4, and if they're doing a share and they've got it set to only do 5G, that would prevent it. Um, other than that, it should work. thing with these older computers as well is sometimes you got to get into the settings in Windows and Wi-Fi and see how many Wi-Fi locations you've got saved in there. Just clearing those out sometimes will just work wonders and start fresh. If there's eight or nine or 10 of them, I I think that sometimes Windows and even Linux, if you get too many of them saved in there, it it seems to get confused. It just doesn't quite pick up the right data or just doesn't quite pick up the right settings. Uh, Clear that out would be huge. And that should be a, a fairly, fairly easy thing to fix. And other than that, Thank you for the text.
2: It is great text. It is amazing in my old Chromebook where where I take this and it will remember uh, Wi-Fi I've used in certain spots all around town for the mm-hmm. longest time. It's extraordinary how it hangs on to that info. And sometimes it's not helpful. And you're right. Occasionally, I'll go in there and it's like, and it's picking up all this other stuff. And it's just I I clear it out and and start over it is really good advice doug to, that that's just another thing you need to clean up
0: yeah especially because yeah, wi-fi is um well you're picking up garbage i mean the internet there's little bits and particles of what's called dirty data and it's got to go somewhere they won't take it back to the servers they send it out to the users and sometimes that little dirty data gets caught up in the settings you can't see it they look okay but just getting rid of those sometimes will just do wonders on a machine. Just just start fresh. And I think you'll be okay on that one.
2: Quick break. We'll come back with more hard-to-believe final segment oh. of the program coming up. So if you have a, a comment or a question for Doug about your computer, feel free to get in touch. The number is 651-461-9226, 651 461 26. That's good for a call or text. Carrie Klein is our producer. We have all the news at 3 here on News Talk. E3O WCCO. We opened the show talking about security and not clicking on emails that seem suspicious. And Doug, let's clarify that a little bit because we got something on the text line. Uh, an email comes in, you kind of get a summary. If you actually click on that email, that's not the problem. I, I believe the problem is the attachments or responding to emails or clicking on links that are contained in that email. Why don't you sort that out for us?
0: That's exactly correct. There was a time when you opened up the email, it would just take off and possibly have a a graphic inside there that loaded, which they were carrying viruses and malware and graphics. But that's been cleaned up by the mail servers over over the past years. You can open that email. You can read it. But inside that email... Those links inside there, that's where the danger resides. Yeah, just avoid them like the plague. And you could actually, it may say uh, link to such and such in normal English, but when you hover your mouse over that, that link, it will show up down the lower left-hand corner of whatever program you're using, a browser, a email, client, whatever. And you'll be able to see the actual domain name. And the last part of that domain name should be, for example, wcco.com or google.com, but that or .net or org or whatever the, the subject suffix is. You you really want to pay attention to those domain names. They can put the name in there someplace so it looks at a glance, but that how where it's going for its final point. That's what counts.
2: Um, Doug. We've only got a couple of minutes on the program, another one from the text line. Someone's having trouble with Windows 365. They couldn't get it to open. Uh, They can't get spreadsheets to open. Um, Have we got a deal for you? There are a lot of options beyond Microsoft Word or Excel or PowerPoint, Um, Lebray, on and on.
0: Yeah, um, I think Microsoft is having some issues with their online stuff. They really are. and Maybe they just got too much work. I don't know. Um office suite would be my first choice and keep in mind that google your online google account your gmail account has a built-in word processor and built-in spreadsheet yep. and even a powerpoint so there's lots of options there there's things that you can do that that you don't need to be working in the cloud all the time with, via a microsoft server unless your job requires it um then you got to do some work and get it cleaned up
2: yeah it, it, but uh Libre or or the Google Suite, uh, all that stuff works well, and it'll even open old spreadsheets and old Word documents. So, you know, don't don't worry if you got a lot of documents saved in Word. All all of these programs will open that stuff up.
0: Oh, I agree, and it's l i b r e office dot o r g, dot com. Some people pronounce it Libra. I've heard it pronounced library, but it's I call it "libre." I don't know if it's right or not, but it's L-I-B-R-E, office, O-F-F-I-C-E, dot O-R-G. Wonderful package.
2: All right. Uh, good day to back up your data. Um, and if you don't do it today, do it tomorrow. Get it backed up this weekend. Back up your data. Uh, Doug and and people like Doug can fix computers but they, they can't recreate your data.
0: Oh, not always. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> Sometimes I got, I got a big one in there now I can't get.
2: It's yeah. Uh, heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Um, Doug, your phone number and email. will visit with you in a week.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, 651-552-9543 admin at wccotech.com, A-D-M-I-N at wccotec dot 651 651-552-9543. And thank you, Steve, and have a great weekend.
2: All right, Doug, good to visit with you. There he is, Doug Heart. and with spring training on hold, Doug will be back next week uh, between 2 and 3 o'clock here on News Talk E3O-WCCO. Here's what we've got coming up. All the news, all the weather at 3. We'll get started on a sports Saturday and more. Uh, the field is set uh, for the uh, Boys State Hockey Tournament, one of the big events every year in St. Paul, coming up starting on Wednesday, and we'll preview that in detail throughout the afternoon here on the CCO.